Hi there. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Magnificent Whiskers podcast. Very excited to bring you today's show where we talk with a friend by the name of Bob Davis. Uh, This man is a voice actor. He's a writer and so much more. And we had an absolute blast having this conversation with him. We are so happy to be able to bring you this talk. Just wanted to come in, say thank you, but also remind you, if you wouldn't mind, go ahead and uh, click subscribe like our podcast, give us a little little five-star rating, maybe hit us with a bit of a review if the mood strikes you in whatever podcatcher that you're using. And I uh, really wanted to say that we, res- we appreciate you coming by once again. So without further ado, please enjoy this episode of Magnificent Whiskers. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Magnificent Whiskers. Uh, my name is Remy, and I am here with Colby today. Hello, hello. And we are we are privileged to have the one and only Robert fucking Davis all the way from the Netherlands. You say hi, Bob. Hello, everybody. If you don't recognize his name, you're going to hear eventually. Uh, if, if for no other reason than by the end of this episode, we'll have said it about 400 times. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, really, really excited to have you on the show. I wanted to say thank you so much for taking some time out of your extremely busy schedule to, uh, to sit and just shoot the shit with us, man. Yeah, hey, that's what I'm here for. Shooting shit. <laughs> now... <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I do believe that you and I first met through uh, the local theater over here in America in Pennsylvania, right? That is correct. Yes. Uh, Courtyard Theater. Yeah. Which show was it? That, it was uh, Cozy. Yeah. Cozy. Uh, yeah. Cozy. I, keep, I always want to call it Cozy Fantute, but no, it wasn't actually the Mozart opera. But, no, yeah. it was a it was a play about doing that show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that. And yeah, I met Colby through that crowd as well. Yeah, I, I met you guys, I believe, at an after party. Yeah, Apple. One of the shows. Yeah, I, I don't know which show it was, but I know I met you guys at an after party for something. I think it might have what, it'd be, was it Five Women? Maybe. Uh, maybe. Either Five Women or White Christmas, I don't remember. It wasn't White Christmas because I never got to see that one. Then, yeah. it was, then it was more than likely Five Women. Yep. With I Heather am, I am, and hands yeah, down the worst friend where it comes to local theater because I only have enough time for the theater when I'm in the production. I can't like, I literally went to one production at the courtyard theater that I wasn't in. <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, I think I have that record too. You and I are tied because I went to cabaret Ah, no, I, I lied to you. I went to two because I had written pieces for Combobulation, and I yes. wanted to go and see those. Yeah, oh, okay. I, I got to I got to a couple. I got to see a few of them because uh, I wanted to see my friends, and at the time, I had just enough free time to be able to do it. It was helpful that um, for a few years there, I had all of my summers off because I worked at Bucknell. Right. So, yeah, so I, I had my summers a little more free, even if my spending money wasn't quite as accessible. Uh, but, you know, five or ten dollars for a show was okay, was easy enough to swing. And it was it was enjoyable. 
I don't want to get too soapboxy here, but I'm still really frustrated about the fact that that place went under the way that it did, especially for the number of people that backed up the guy who was running it and offered their services for free just to try to keep it alive. And, yeah, and, and like, well. he just didn't do a thing. Like, yeah. I, I started a GoFundMe, but I couldn't get any support from him. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is what it is. And... Uh, <laughs> I don't like to speak ill of the dead. So when I moved to Harrisburg, things got a lot more copacetic when it came to theater work. That was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun there. Yeah. And I'm in Williamsport right now, so we have the Community Theater League out here. But again, it all comes down to that, you know, free time thing. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, luckily, because of, you know, what I do, I had enough free time to be in stuff, to direct stuff. And, man, it was just it, – there, there were two theaters in Harrisburg – Oyster Mill Playhouse and the Little Theater of Mechanicsburg that were kind enough to let my dumbass direct things as well as be in it. So. <laughs> wow. I mean, yeah, but I have to say, I, one of my regrets is, is actually not having the pleasure of Ben uh, directed by you. Uh, that I think that would have been a lot of fun. Yeah, I've, I've never actually had a chance to work with you in a production at all, which may, always makes me a little sad, but... I, mean, I love I love getting to work with my friends in anything. Didn't you have some kind of like stage manager role or something in Cozy? Yeah, technically I was the assistant director. Okay, so I just lied through my teeth. Groovy. Yeah, I mean I, I gave a little bit of direction, but most of it was just well, putting out fires. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's pretty goddamn true. Fair not enough. literally, but it surprises me to be able to say not literally. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, especially because of some of the characters that were in there. You know, I was actually cleaning yeah. out. I was cleaning out my uh, Facebook groups that I was in because I'm in so many dead groups. So I hate that. And uh, and so I started leaving a bunch of them, and I stumbled into the cozy group. Oh yeah. Yeah, and the last yeah, it still <laughs> exists. And the last post in there was actually made by Matt Zimmerman. Oh shit! Yeah, that so might, that's a kick in the crotch. Yeah, so I was uh, I was going to leave the group, and or I was going to try to like abolish a couple of them that like nobody had any actual activity in for a while, and yeah. then made the decision, especially for that one, to allow it to stand because you know in memoriam and all that. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, he was a lot of fun to to act with in that show too, because we were pretty adversarial. And I actually, oh had to, yeah, had to grip him up at one point and uh, like pull him across the <laughs> across the theater. Um, he was he was so much fun. We were in White Christmas together. Uh, the um, Danny Kay and Bing Crosby roles. He was Danny Kay, and I was Bing Crosby because I can't dance. And, <laughs> <laughs> at least not well enough to pull that role off. <laughs> But well, uh, he he was so much fun. He worked so hard for that. He had never tapped in his life. Oh and man, he tapped, he ended up wow. he, he ended up just he, he and Desiree worked. She worked with him. She worked his feet off. And by the time we by the time the curtain went up on that, he was he was Phil. He was Danny Kay, and it was absolutely hysterical. I will never forget doing the sisters fan dance with him because by the time we got around to rehearsing that his, his feet were shot. He couldn't learn any more dance. If, if you like opened up the top of his head and poured it in (laughs) and 
and I, you know, I wasn't going to actually just wasn't going to bother. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> so, so whenever we would run it, we would just, we sang it. We didn't, we were going to lip sync it, but then we're like, no, hell, we know the words. Let's just sing it. So we did it as camp as we possibly could do it. And we did the dance so badly. Desiree is in the back of the theater. Even during the shows, she would work her way toward the back of the house and be do it like miming things with the doors slightly open so the light from out in the lobby. <laughs> and we're watching her and base and we're, she's actually doing it in reverse. She's that good so that we could follow along. And we never once got it anywhere near right. <laughs> But this is something that you had just accepted. You were yeah. not going to do this right, and you were just going to not care. But the audience always licked it up. They yeah. just loved it. So, you know, I'll call it a win, even though the technical, you know, if ever German, the East German judge would have given us like a 3.2 out of 10, but still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to agree with you, though. You always call it a win when the, when the audience responds to it positively. And, cause That's the only thing I give a shit about. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, they don't know the script, and most of them don't really know the, quote, proper dance moves or whatever. So oh, yeah. Are, are you well, an entertaining enough ass? Great. Then let's do let's, let's, the, the, the thing that made it entertaining was they had, the, the girls already did the sister's number. Oh, <laughs> oh so that's even better. So they that's got to see it done work. right. Right. They got, they to, got see to see it done, it done right. well oh. and rehearsed and right. And then they got to see us two chuckleheads <laughs> going out there with the same fans, dropping the fans, <laughs> doing the things right. We had our, our trousers pulled up to our knees. I was wearing sock garters. It was just epic because, you know, comedy is hard. That's what a lot of people don't understand about theater. Any, any idiot can do drama. <laughs> it's, really, it's really easy to do drama. But comedy is really, really difficult. I directed a show at Little Theater Mechanicsburg called Murder at the Howard Johnson's. That, oh, God, it was a three-person cast, and the yeah, two of them were married, but they were playing, peop they were playing people who were having an affair. Oh, and the, these, it's a, it's a funny, funny show. Look it up. Murder at the Howard Johnson's. It is hysterical. And, uh, but all three of these people had such great, great timing that it was directing. It was easy. It was just a matter of making it, getting the blocking right and using the blocking to accentuate the words like the punchlines. Yeah. Mm. And I, once we got I, that right, it's just turn them loose, let them go. And, and, and I was sitting in the booth with the, the tech person every night, just laughing my ass off. And, you know, I made all this crap up. <laughs> you know, I know what's coming, but their delivery was so good that I could just sit there and basically be the laugh track. Oh, that's, that's awesome. So wait, are you distinctive laugh guy? I am a distinctive laugh guy. I am okay. not quite. I am not. I am neither Jeremy Schaefer <laughs> nor Von Diffenderfer, but I am. I am distinct. I am a distinctive uh, laugh guy. Oh, Lon no, fucking kills me. Oh my god. Lon got a good one. I don't. I don't even know his name. But there was somebody. There was somebody at one of the shows that we were in. It was uh, uh, Run for Your Wife. Uh, no, no, no. There was a different one. Oh. Um. I, I believe it was in. Uh, oh man, it was because I we talk about it all the time. Uh, whenever I'm with 
uh, one of my groups that does board games. It was 1776. Uh, we were doing 1776, and I remember because Nick was there because he said it's the only time I think in his it's history the same that guy. Yeah, that he's ever just like broke, like a hundred percent broken half character. I've <laughs> never broken a character except for when that same guy, and I don't remember who it is either. So we're both, you know, damned yeah. here. But it's yeah. that same guy from it, in Run for Your I, Wife. I believe his name was Bob. I think his name is Bob. Let's go. That's with all that. I know. Um, it ain't me. No. no, it wasn't you, but it was no. And you may not. Uh, I think he actually may have been there for. Um, oh, it's for cozy. The Bernadette Peters' wife or husband. <laughs> Bernadette Peters is his, but Bernadette Peters' husband. So probably Bob Peters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. But no, this well, dude, congratulations, Bob, because you break actors with your laughter, and yeah. it's spectacular. Bob, yeah. I don't. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know if you've ever been there for this man laughing, but it's literally like. <laughs> and it's is it is the loudest thing. And at first, it's like this asshole, right? Like at first, it's not, but then it just becomes infectious. <laughs> but, and he's not, and it's not fake. He's it's not. not it's, it on. You realize it's authentic, and the guy's not being sarcastic. And then it just gets into your brain and <laughs> eats like battery acid. And that like, I'll never brilliant. forget needing to turn my face away from the audience almost mid-line delivery so that I could go. Because I couldn't, I couldn't hold it in anymore. And like, uh, once he gets rolling, it's like a snowball. There was a guy. Yeah, there's a guy who's in the who goes around the Harrisburg area. He's in stuff. He always goes to everything. Craig Stauffer, and he has he has that. He he's got a very radio type voice. Tiny little guy, Ah. but he's got this brilliant. You know, probably should be on you know WHP doing the weather or something like that. But he. he has that kind of laugh, and you know you've got, you know you've got something going on when you can hear him belting in the back. <laughs> it's very brilliant. nice. I love having people like that in an audience. Oh, oh yeah. yeah! Oh my gosh! It, I mean, uh, so it goes without saying, but I'm gonna say it that uh, you know part of stage acting is feeding off the energy of the audience. So when you have someone like that out there, it does. Oh yeah. I mean, you could just kind of instantly, for me, I just instantly relax. Yeah. Yeah. As it, soon as you know you got them like that, if you get one person like that, you know you're going to, you know, you're going to go over pretty well. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. And run for your wife. Oh my gosh. Despite, despite the challenges that putting that show on, uh, the ones that arose, you. and there were, there, there were some challenges. Ooh, uh, that, but despite those. To- it was one of my favorite shows that I've ever done. I know I've said it before, but Colby, it was my favorite time acting opposite you. Um, it was it was really good. We play really good foils to each other. We do. Like it's almost farcical in a real life sense. Like it feels. Yeah. It's, it felt like cheating. Yeah. Well, it, uh, that's like the. I think the first time we ever acted opposite each other, we were Benvolio and Mercutio. We were. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> and do do we even have to tell you who was who? Yeah, you're gonna have to because that that is beyond my ability to decide. I was oh. I was absolutely Benvolio, and he was absolutely Mercutio. I was Jeez. born I was born to play Mercutio. Are you kidding me? Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> uh, how, did, how did anything ever get done in rehearsals? Uh, you because, mean around my ego? No, I mean just the, the, you you two feeding off each other. It's like a well critical mass <laughs> nuclear chain reaction of goofiness. We it could really, probably it really was. power the eastern seaboard. 
but thankfully it was thankfully it was just the one scene because it was uh Shakespearean, so it was like an ensemble right uh piece. Uh so we just had that one long scene uh and it we just sort of fell into it really effortlessly because <laughs> it would we basically just use our own existing friendship dynamic anyways yep. and, re- exactly and added fancier language. God. Uh, and it was it was perfect. And then uh, when we, we we both ended up British cops from two different sides of town oh and uh, and nonsense started to ensue and uh, the entire time my character was extremely oh my favorite thing about this was Colby's character's name now for those of you who may not be aware or haven't looked up his social media or anything Colby is essentially a human barrel he is he is he's a, he's a pork chop on legs and <laughs> furry pork chop on legs a furry pork chop on legs and he's like a so, furry without a costume th- yes yes wrong. 100% other furries <laughs> are colby during roleplay uh but then his character's name in this was detective porterhouse <laughs> And I, I wanted him to have mutton chops so bad just to complete the whole trifecta of fuckery, but uh, he wouldn't bite. And then I was uh, Detective, Detective Sergeant Troughton, and uh, we—I was very. My character was very suspicious of his from the get, and it was just absolutely hysterical. And I'll never forget. Uh, at one point, he had put, the character had revealed it's a somewhat older show, and it's British. So it's a little strange. But <laughs> apparently his character's wife refers to him as pussy. Oh, God. And so, yeah, so you can imagine the nonsense that comes from that. But at one point, my character literally just screams, shut up, pussy. And, <laughs> yeah. and like, and it just, and I got, I mean, I went down on one knee and went into a full lunge and extended <laughs> my arms at him to it to, to point at like, shut up. And it was just... <laughs> <laughs> it was so hard for me not to laugh in doing it because I could I had an out of body experience. I could see myself going Oh through. god. I, I used to love what was the um shit. Neil Simon's rumors. Mm, yeah. Okay. Was one of the first things I did at Courtyard and Justin was in that. And there was one, there were all kinds of opportunities that I was in full bore, like really in the moment as Lenny, which I loved because Lenny is as a character is essentially me with no filters. Oh <laughs> Lord, help us all. <laughs> so it was a really easy role to play. Yeah. And there, and there was one, there was one bit where I had to get right up in his face. I'm going on this rant is Lenny rants. That's the character <laughs> rants and rants and rants. And there's one bit where he's ranting about something and rant, rant, rant. And then this asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and at that point, I'm right up in his face. We ended up blocking it because with his back to the audience. Because every time I do it, because <laughs> he's, about, he's about three feet taller than me. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and I'm on my tiptoes in a, in a bathrobe. God, I can picture this now. Mm-hmm. Pointing oh, him. So no, I was, I was still in a tux at that point. Still in a tuxedo. Uh, pointing at him and looking him right in the eyes. And every single time he'd break. Because Justin is really <laughs> break. It's, not, it's and, not wrong. And, oh, God, it was just too much fun. And it was, it was one, the one and only time where Bob asked me to dial it back. 
<laughs> oh no! Well, yeah, because Justin couldn't handle it. Right, right. Um, well, and, until we figured out that he could simply, you know, naturally turn his back to the audience, and oh, then no man. one would see it. His shoulders would kind of scrunch up, and he would <laughs> almost lose it. He did a spit take once in rehearsals because I, I had him at the exact right moment as he was taking a sip of a nominal cocktail. Then it was, oh my god, that was a fun show. <laughs> one of my one of my favorite things that we did. Um, was the pickup rehearsal for um, for Run for Your Wife because there's a phone call scene uh-huh. where uh, my character is talking to the main character's wife and trying to convince her that he's gay. <laughs> okay. And he tells her, and it's not my fault that your husband is a Nancy. Well, mm-hmm. we're doing this in a British accent the entire time, and I'm yelling at her, trying to get her to understand what I'm saying, and I tell her, it's not my fault that your husband is a Nancy. And I saw <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that one. <laughs> and I just dropped it on that word, and I, I mean, everybody fell over. It was so, it was so much fun. Oh, we could talk about this all day. <laughs> yeah, uh, we could. I think, I think the, the funniest thing, like the hardest I've ever laughed at any show ever was um, uh, I was watching Boeing Boeing at the courtyard and it was Ben and Justin. Uh, oh and my the, God. And there was, ben Hartman? And, yes. Friend and of the show, the, actually. Yes. Uh, and there was the scene where uh, uh, Justin's character is trying to like subtly tell Ben's character what the hell is going on. And he just grabbed there. He's getting more and more animated and he's getting more and more upset. And he just grabs Ben by the shoulders, gets right into his face and screams, you can die. <laughs> and, and I, I swear to God, it was me and uh, uh, another guy there who, who went to a couple of shows and did a bunch of stuff with the theater. And we were laughing so hard that they had to stop. <laughs> they stopped for like two minutes straight because they couldn't talk over us. Yeah. I left. I laughed that entire show. I just think from I the was moment, there for that. I think I, you were. Yeah, that was but one like, of the. Were, were we not? Were we sitting at a table together? I think we were. But from yeah, the moment that show started, I could not stop laughing, and I yeah, saw that yeah. show twice. I saw yeah. that. I saw that show twice because it was so funny. That was like and, a trifecta of laugh track <laughs> clack. Because as I recall. It, it was you, me, Lon Diffenderfer, oh, Lord. and about and, a half uh, dozen other people. Yeah. Oh, my God. It was just that and whole we, table. It, it took just... like half again as long to get through the damn play because we just kept losing our shit. <laughs> it was so good. And we all just kept feeding off each other's energy and laughing more because of it. And it was so good. I am oh, so God. sad that I missed this. It was yeah. one of It was one of my favorite experiences in theater. Like, I'm, I'm having some serious FOMO right now, guys. God damn it. They, really they really should, should have you put really a should. thing out there. before. They should have put a, a card up on an easel before. You know, this this play is performed before a live studio audience. Because <laughs> <laughs> holy shit. So one of my favorite things that happened. I might have been uh, half in the bag for that, too. I don't remember. Might have been what? Half in the bag for that. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I was not. So that's... we can all be thankful for that. Um, yeah, let's okay. not get into that. Uh, <laughs> so 
I love you, Colby. Uh, but one of my favorite things that came out of us all meeting at the theater was that um, I, I distinctly remember finding out that you, Bob, were running a D&D game. And yeah. I stood up on stage and I shouted your name and I demanded an invitation to that game. <laughs> I remember that, yeah. Yeah. And also, I don't think I actually ever got the invitation to that game, but I eventually browbeat you into like running another game that lasted about four sessions before yeah. it petered out. Yeah, yeah I, was... I got to play one, one or two sessions, and that yes. always made me Scheduling sad. was a complete bitch for that. It really it was. always is. Isn't it always? It always yeah, is. exactly. It's uh, called being an adult. Yeah. Yeah, fuck that shit. Uh, but <laughs> it, uh, no. <laughs> But yeah, I, I just, I remember getting extremely excited learning that there were more people that I might have the opportunity to play the game with. And um, there, I've actually been going through some transitions recently where I'm running out of people to play the game with. But uh, the, the very short period of time that I did get to play in your, in your world was uh, so much fun. Um, well, cool. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, I, uh, I also follow uh, just all of your RPG stuff. I, uh, I, I've gotten pretty connected to the indie RPG space and well, the RPG space in general, having followed you and whatnot. And it's, it's just, it's such an amazing community and there's so much happening. I, yeah. I, I love being a That's part of That's an understatement. It. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, what, what's been really exciting the last few years has been the community content programs that are all over the place now. Like yeah. uh, wizards has theirs, which is how I, got started making some actual money at it. There's stuff for Scarred Lens, there's stuff for Vampire, there's stuff for Werewolf and Mage, the whole White Wolf line of that, you know, that D10 vampire system. I want to get in so bad, but I don't know anybody who's playing. Yeah, it's, it, it can be tough. It can be tough. I mean, it, it, the, the one, you can always, if you have the time, and you, uh, you can go onto sites like Roll20. Yeah. Roll, and find a pickup game. If you just need your fix, man, you can do that. Um, I don't know what's going on in uh, Williamsport, but there's always organized play stuff happening at game stores. On uh, Wednesday nights, generally, they have uh, Adventurers League stuff for 5e, which is nice. Yeah. That's a good way to get your fix. And I, what, one thing I've discovered about that stuff is you get a lot of spinoff from uh, other you know folks who get together to play on Wednesday nights and you're like hey I'm starting a game you want to join you know you, it's good to go to places like that twitch with some folks see if you fit then maybe you know branch off from there that's right. worked for me several times in the past yeah they they have really good looking for group sections yeah well let me you, know, you you all carry on while I look up what's in Williamsport <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I mean, honestly, there's the whole four kids and all that nonsense that goes on for me as well. So, oh, sure, um, that that does kind of limit my ability to go and do those things. So it's a it's kind of a self fulfilling prophecy in that way. Um, yeah, I dig. But I will say that uh, so far with Magnificent Whiskers, our most popular episode, and not by a small margin to date, was that one time Colby and I spent the entire episode talking about D&D instead of just most of it, and uh, which is what ends up happening. I mean, there are very few episodes where we don't swerve back into D&D at some point because right. it's just been such a huge and prolific part of our lives. Well, and look so, at that. The, the, the closest thing to Williamsport is Comics Metropolis in Lewisburg. Oh, weird. Really? There's nothing going on at White Nights? That's uh, what uh, there's nothing on the wizard's website. Oh, on the wizard's website. Okay, that makes uh, sense. Yeah. 
I got nothing, you. nothing registered and official. There might be something there at that store, but at Lewisburg, every Friday has Adventurers, D&D Adventurers League. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. So, so I, I could go get some like badges from the gyms, like in Pokemon? No. Well, I guess you could. I mean, Adventurers League is, is, uh, it's, it's organized play. So it, technically you take a character, you go and you play and you do things. It, there, there's some, there's some rules to it. But in my experience, very few people actually take those rules all that seriously. I mean, it's basically, it, it, it ends up being the same gang of people every week with other people who, you know, peek in and out. Yeah. Okay. Some, sometimes new, sometimes old, you know. And, uh, you know, you bring a character, you play the character. There are certain restrictions on Adventurers League characters that you won't find in a home game. Like you're the, the one I'm, I'm remembering off the top of my head is the uh, PHB plus one rule for creating characters. Like you're allowed to use the PHB character options and the character options from one other book. Ah, okay. Uh, like hmm. Sword Coast Adventurer's Guide or Volo's Guide to Monsters or something like that. Um, so but there's nothing a, extra, right? They don't want you okay. mixing up stuff from three, four books to make, you know, a tabaxi <laughs> warlock of, um, you know, a kraken or some crap like that. Uh, that, say, that. Do they include like, uh, like the online playtest material at all? No, that is okay. never included in, okay. in uh, Adventures League. Nor is um, character options you find on a Dungeon Masters Guild. Well, there goes one of my main yeah. characters that I typically play being the gunslinger. Yeah, exactly. You know, no matter how much we love uh, Matt Mercer, you can't play a gunslinger in Adventures League. So I don't mean to be this guy, but I do want to point out that I was into the gunslinger before Matt Mercer put his hands onto it. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, it, it, yeah. Matt uh, is only... a lovely person and a, and a, and a, a great boon to uh, the burgeoning nerd sphere, but he is not first. Uh, correct. Yeah, no, that, and, and it's like, that's semi-irrelevant, but I just wanted to make it known. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think Critical Role is pretty dope, uh, but I don't have the time to dedicate like four fucking hours to watch their stream. Oh, and, try, Christ, and then I, I also don't have the, the time of a full-time job that it would take for me to catch up. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I, was, I was able to catch up, again, partially because I had uh, weekend, uh, summers off and uh, also had, you know, a somewhat lengthy commute and so could watch it during all of that time. While and you're driving to up, work? Yeah, while I'm driving to work. Uh, at the time, I would also take my girlfriend to work at 2 o'clock and then would work at 3 or 4. So I had some extra time beforehand to sit and listen to it and watch it. And so I was able to catch up and now it's most of my entertainment. So anytime you tell me to watch a show, Jeremy, no, because I have five hours a week, uh, four and a half of it to critical role, an hour to an hour and a half of it of the, the talk show that they have for it. So six hours of my week is just that entertainment. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to, if I'm going to blow four hours on D and D, I'm going to either play it, or I'm going to write stuff that helps other people play it. Agree. Yeah. Like at that point, it becomes just like baseball, for example. I yeah. can't. I can't sit and watch an MLB game. Now, you you put a pair of cleats on my feet and put a glove in my hand, and I'm all about baseball. But oh, totally. I, can, I can't. So like the same thing with like. But but that but that content isn't made for me, right? Like I'm not the guy yeah. who's going to sit here and watch a let's play. But you can yeah. be damn certain that I will create that content all day long. 
it is a lovely thing. I mean, it, it, it has, in some people's experience, mine peripherally, it, it has caused, it can cause a bit of an issue when someone it is like watches Critical Role, gets all hyped on what happens on Critical Role, comes to actually play the game, and their expectations are a little out of whack. Ah, yeah, because they think they're going to sit down with like professional voice actors and shit like that. Yeah, and, and you know they don't realize that even though it's not technically scripted, they do hit the story beats before the session because, I mean, these are all pros putting out a high-quality entertainment product. And you know they're not they're not doing they're not doing stuff just off the cuff all the time. So and there, I had not considered that. And there are people who I mean let because let's face it if you're in that kind of entertainment it's it's you don't you don't just walk in and wing it. I mean if you listen to morning show guys on the radio they don't walk in and just wing it. Howard Stern that stuff is scripted to a fairly well. Not yeah. saying the critical role scripts everything that happens because the dice do you know do some weird shit and that's what lends a lot of drama to a, a show like Critical Role, but they they're mapping that stuff out. They're entertainment professionals and they've been playing together for years and years and years and years. I, I think that's a big part of it too. Like that those people have been playing together for so long and so consistently. Like to actually have a group play once a week, almost every week for you know five years straight and for quite a long time before that is pretty rare and for them to do it that consistently and for that long each session like they they are really into each other's heads like they know what each other is gonna do even before they do it sometimes like uh like when i'm sitting down and i'm watching it like i can see like the gears start turning in one person's head when they realize that the gears are turning in someone else's head. When the like, one that I always used to like, when I was watching it, like in the first low-budget series, when they first came out, I watched it for a while. And Travis Willingham was the one who always, he was always so painfully transparent. You always knew when he was cooking up something ridiculous uh-huh. oh, to yeah. do. I would like to rage. Yeah, because well, it's, uh, it, he he's even talking about it. Uh, for anyone who hasn't watched, his character is Grog Strongjaw, a giant barbarian with intelligence of six. Average human intelligence is ten. This man is dumb. Um, a bag of hammers. Yep. Uh, but um, it it led to a lot of great stuff because he was just like being dumb. I didn't have to plan or think about anything if it came into my head i could just say it and do it and it was great um so he he got to be really free and really loose but uh he he leaned into that so often and you could tell like when other players around the table realized oh no travis hasn't said anything in a while and they look over and they could see the glint in travis's eyes (laughs) they knew something was about to go wrong Uh uh-huh See, and that's one of the one of my favorite things about my general play style, and I try to rein this in every once in a while, depending on the character. But even if you can tell that I'm like cooking something up, there's because, nothing you can do about it. Well, not it's not necessarily that, but that's also a fun element to it. It's also that you know something's gonna happen, but just because of the general nature of the type of characters I typically play, you're you're typically not gonna be able to put pinpoint what the something is. You just know it's gonna be ridiculous. Yeah. Like, and I'm uh, proud of that. Like uh, <laughs> several, 
Uh, one thing I, you have a tendency to do uh, in situations where people are like, like talking and trying to figure something out, all of a sudden there's an attack roll. Yeah. <laughs> so I was on a show a couple of weeks ago called The Weekly Word, and we talked about disruptors and how and, and the positives and negatives that come along with that. And I discussed how when I was playing a dwarven gunslinger, there were times where the conversation would just go on and on and there was like no advancement in the story or like the character in general just like I just got bored. So I would just roll an attack roll. And and then I'd wait for the DM to notice it. And he'd be like, oh, oh, you're shooting someone. Yes, I am. Okay, well, I guess that's what's <laughs> happening now. And, and it would just, that's how my character would advance the story. And it wasn't done with malicious intent, but you know, that was how I was able to stay in the story without literally falling asleep because of things that were happening. And, and we could probably try to overanalyze, you know, the DM's efforts to make sure everybody's included or whatever. So the cows come home. But, uh, but yeah, but honestly, he was really the only one that that typically happened with. I don't, I haven't really done much of that since. <laughs> I do things like jump down holes that I shouldn't be jumping down or try to ride the big scary rock or, uh, attempt to escape the guards from getting a hold of me by firing my blunderbuss at the ground and hoping for the best. Um, <laughs> I love uh, it. That one, I, I accidentally, I rolled so poorly that I tilted the gun too far horizontally and splattered against the wall. Yeah. Oh, was that the time you tried to use it to get over the wall? Yeah, yeah. as the gnome, yeah, as yeah, the yeah. Nueve Dedos. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was yeah. that was the story that I <laughs> I'll never forget like looking Colby in the face and saying Colby I've spent so much time thinking about this character why can't I remember the character and he's like Remy it's because your character is your fucking gun it's not it's not the character it's the it's the vehicle through which he does everything and oh yeah that's right yeah Uh, your your character is your gun and your actual character is just the mechanism to play taters yes because his gun was named taters (laughs) it was and taters was an acronym and i cannot remember what it all was totalitarian actuation uh destruction total equilateral yeah, uh, destruction. Yeah, something yeah, solution. Yeah, I can't. I'll have to look it up somewhere see if I can find it. But e- it was arbitrary equal, as fuck. Equilateral response solution. Yeah, that's it. what. Good memory, man. Congratulations. Wow. You get a cookie. You get a cookie. Okay. So <clears throat> that said, and I'm glad we talked about D and D because we had to get into <laughs> it. It had to happen. And again, speaking of things we could literally talk about all day long. Um. By the way, this is me officially expressing interest and or desire. You just hit me up the next time that you're running a game because God damn it, I miss it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about I'm thinking about it. Uh, the, the, the problem for me is because I'm so far ahead of you guys in terms of time is when exactly to do it. Yeah. Well, the good thing there is typically you think you might play in your evening which yeah. might be more our morning and depending on where that is it might be easier to fit in for that reason. Yeah, it's that that and it's it's always it's always also contingent on me, you know, coming up with something that and having the time to cuz I, I like to use the virtual tabletops and yeah. uh, it's having the time to actually prepare 
prep time is not something I have a great deal of. But yeah, there's all there's 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 definitely the uh, concepts of one shots and that you know. Hell yeah, one shots are a lot of fun. Uh, I'm also generally like with the groups that we play with. I'm also a big fan of just like off the cuff gameplay. Like I, I feel like a lot of amazing things can happen when you're just like, okay, here's an interesting scenario I thought of. Uh, what do you guys do? And then just building off of it. That's how there a is, lot of my games end up going. There is a game that it's one of the OSR games, and it's one of the few that I like. It's called The Black Hack. Okay. Ooh. Um, it's a very, very simple, simple. It's even simpler than the uh, the old blue and red box, you know, D and D from the '70s on which it is based. It takes a few things from 5e and dumps it in there, and literally all you need to play it. You can randomly generate stuff and scenarios. Even it's a you know, it takes you all of five minutes to roll up a character, and you can sit down. and It's such a great party RPG. Because you can be sitting there and going, hey, crack the book, boom. You roll six stats in a row. <laughs> you oh, roll dice on a table to figure out a starting scenario, and you just roll with it. The DM never rolls dice. Really? Oh, it's awesome. Mm. Yeah, everything is resolved by the players. Interesting. interesting. I will yeah. say that uh, I'll, I remember at one point we had – because when Colby and I started our D&D adventure together um, – I should probably reword that. When we started this whole journey of playing this game together uh, years and years and years ago, we created so many characters for so many scenarios. And at one point, it almost we almost needed to roll the dice in order of the stats that we were rolling. Mm-hmm. So the first roll would be strength and so on. Yep. 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 In order to make it interesting. That's Black yeah. Hack. Uh, black hack, yeah, yeah, and, and so then we would come up with the if we wanted to keep it meta, we would then use that and then go with whatever would fit, or we would come up with the class first and then just hope that the dice went with it because otherwise you've got a barbarian with a ten strength and that's not going to end well. Uh, yeah, I remember I actually um, I came up with what I called like an organic character creation methodology where uh, you you picked your race first. And then you rolled your stats in order. Uh, I gave the option to switch two stats because, like, theoretically, you can retrain certain aspects of yourself. Yeah. And then, and then you picked your class last. In 5e, you also, pick, you also roll randomly for your background uh, because you, you can, don't get to yeah. that. Uh, no, you can, but, you, oh, in 5e, you can pick. Oh, I, I know, but, I mean, like, oh. re, in real life, you can't it, it, pick it, 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 yeah. what background you get. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, it created a very, like, literally organic character where, you know, you, uh, you play what you end up with. That's, that's been how I've been, that's how, I'm appro- that's how I approached my weekly game here locally. We just sat down to play, and we didn't feel like fucking around, you know, going through all kinds of character ideas. And I said, anybody have any idea what they want to play? And everybody looked at each other and went, nah, not really. <laughs> uh, okay, here's my stack of pregens. Nice. Yeah, and people just picked from the pile, and they were they they've had a blast. They've been playing the pregens ever since. That's like six months ago. That's awesome. And I will say, when you were talking about one shots, one of not only my favorite characters to play, but one of my characters that everybody else seems to also really enjoy being in a party with came from a one shot. Mm-hmm. 
and uh, th- Colby, that being Dario. Yeah, yeah, you have, you have. Uh, That's the one you seem to enjoy DMing the most of, two, most from two, which is very interesting. Uh, you you make interesting choices as Dario. I guess, yeah. Well, he's yeah. Anyway, once again, that's something that we could we could very much so dive into for a very very long time. But I'll tell you uh, what, I will come up with a one shot, and uh, we'll see where it takes us. I mean, I have one shots, and uh, that I've written. I will. I'll play you. Th- I'll play, if you want. I'll play you through my Scooby Doo one shot. Oh, that it, sounds awesome! Oh it, boy, it, 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 it's it, the plot is very Scooby Doo. It's all about oh, okay. you know, some asshole trying to you know fake shit in order to make money. Yeah, um, but it's. It, I, I like to think it's a pretty decent adventure. And, oh yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll work it. Well, we we'll work up a time, get a couple other get a couple of other people to play, and we'll have fun. Dope. I, I love like it. a lot of fun. Okay, so now it, I'm going to uh, give. I'm going to try to ask you a couple of questions so that outside of the conversation that we've already had, the people who are listening might get a better idea of who Bob fucking Davis is. Are you ready for this? <laughs> I'm lobbying to make this your middle name now, by the way. Okay. Um, <laughs> My mother will be so proud. I, I know, man. I know. Okay. So, vampire or werewolf? Vampire. Any particular reason? I, it, I mean, it's, it all comes back to gaming. Um, yeah, I played vampire a very, very little, very, very short amount of time back in the 90s. And uh, it was when werewolf, the werewolf rules were first coming out. And I was never, a, I'm not a big fan of the just, you know, brute strength wrecking shit just because you can sort of, uh, that's, that's not my gig. Okay. All right. Now I, let me be super clear. Living forever. Ah, uh, yeah. Making shrewd investments. <laughs> you know, and that that whole clan venture thing from Vampire that that always appealed to me. You know, yeah. hey, how is it that you are in this penthouse apartment, Mister Davis? Well, you see, in 1798, <laughs> you could really see, dig into some historical stuff too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. See, that, that's really interesting because uh, the last our last guest specifically wanted to be werewolf because the idea of eternity was like horrifying to them. Yes. But now Which let me be clear. Cause I feel, I think, I think, and I don't know why I didn't see this coming. The question was not clear enough. I wasn't asking which game you would prefer to play. I'm oh, asking yeah. if you ended up as one of the creatures. Oh, vampire. Uh, yeah. For similar questions. Right. Yeah. Okay. yeah because, oh well, no, that's it. I, it, I was using the games to illustrate my choice of what, you know, if I had to pick one, that's the one I'd pick. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Yeah. That makes Just sense. Just because over, over that amount of time, yeah, okay, living forever could be a little boring. But, you know, screw Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got, a, I got a hollow volcano, bitches. There you go. <laughs> All right. Uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Why not both? I love that I mean, answer. I, I rather, I, I, I like both of them in terms of story, but if I had to live in one, definitely Trek. Okay. Yeah. Because you know, the the whole Star Wars universe is a bit too dystopia for me. Mm. I mean, it, the, the bad guys are fucking stormtroopers, right? And they pound on people, and they you know life is nasty, brutish, and short. I would much rather be in the Federation of Planets, and you know where everyone get everyone gets to do what they want. Money doesn't really exist, and yeah, 
Yeah. And lead a, lead a, lead a nice, quiet, fulfilling life doing what I like and not having to worry about whether I've got health insurance or a salary. Guys, you're, this is ridiculous. I'm slowly starting to get convinced that I need to start watching Star Trek. You should. Because really I've, should. I've always been way more attracted to the high fantasy aspects of Star Wars, but the way that you just put that, like, and don't get me wrong, I really love the new Abrams movies. That's not Star Trek. Okay, I accept that. So <laughs> uh, They're great. I love them. I love them because I love me a good action film, and Simon Pegg as Scotty is the best thing ever. But, um, yeah, it, it's not exactly Gene Roddenberry's vision. <laughs> that's, that's probably very true. Football or football? Oh, there's, can I have a third choice? Because uh, I, I really couldn't give two shits about either one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, but, I guess ping pong. I don't, rugby. The Rugby World Cup just finished up, and my team didn't win, but they were in the finals, so it's okay. All right, so we will. We'll have to perhaps start including the third option of or rugby, uh, which (laughs) and in terms of Star Wars, Star Trek, I you know if if you Star Trek definitely, but Dune, ah yes, slaughters both. Uh, So I I have I have some of the later Dune books, but none of the earlier ones. (laughs) I'm uh, I'm on. I haven't had access. I'm about halfway through my uh, annual reading of the uh, entire Dune cycle. So I'm on God Emperor right now. And you, they, you, you want to talk about living forever and get, and boredom being the ultimate evil? There you go. Yeah, so it's on my list. <laughs> yeah. I've, not, I've not gotten there yet, but I do know that one of the common phrases in... This is, you guys are going to really ask questions about me here. One of the common phrases is uh, the, like the spice must flow or something like that, right? Yeah. Yes. Right. So I have no idea what that means. So my brain immediately smashes all of this information together and I can't hear Dune without thinking about the dust at the bottom of a bag of Middlesworth barbecue chips. <laughs> it's oddly, just immediately where my head goes. Oddly, okay. color-wise, you probably wouldn't be that far off. Flavor-wise, miles away. <laughs> I accept that. <laughs> but color-wise, you know, this rusty orange color. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're not terribly far off. But flavor and aroma, whoo dang, galaxies away. Okay. Well, wh- which one is more pleasant? Oh, the, the, the spice from oh. the, the, the geriatric spice from, from Dune because it, you know, lets you live an extra couple hundred years, lets you have prescient visions if you're attuned to, if you're attuned to that. You know. Oh, wow. Yeah, I need yeah. to read this series. Um, also, was there not a movie? There were there, several, <laughs> and, and several, and a, at least one miniseries uh, in varying levels of quality. Yeah, I, I liked I, I, the, the David Lynch film from the '80s is quite good, though it takes a certain amount of liberties with the story. If you haven't read the books, you can watch the David Lynch Dune and enjoy the shit out of it. Um, if you have, have read the books and you're a slave to them, not so much, but hey. I have, I have seen pieces of that movie and it's interesting and it's very eighties. It's very David Lynch. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's, well, I mean, we might, Hey, we're in this realm of copying, right. And, yeah. uh, and, and replication. We may get another iteration of it. Why not? Oh, we are. I, we are. Yeah, they're, they're oh, it's, it's for sure right happening. Yeah. Oh yeah. They're shoot if they if they haven't rap shooting they're shooting. Yeah. Huh. 
Okay, who do they have the, working on that? Oh, do-do-do-do-do. I am on my computer. <laughs> Directed by Dennis Villeneuve, um, coming in 2020. Starring Timothée Chalamet as Paul Atreides, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, David Bautista, Zendaya, whoever that is. Oh, Zendaya. Oh, shit. Uh, she was she was uh, Mary Jane in the most recent iteration of the Spider-Man franchise, and she's also ah. done a tremendous amount of work with Disney. There you go. Uh, she's yeah, real, oh, Channel, and Rocky she's in Blue, Euphoria. Shake it up, yeah. Jason Momoa. Oh, fuck. Okay. So this is Charlotte a big deal. Rampling, oh, yeah. Helen McKin- uh, Stephen McKinley Henderson. Um, yeah, it, it, it's going to be pretty good. It's scheduled to be released in IMAX and 3D on December 18th, 2020 by Warner Brothers. So, oh, going yeah. to see that. Yeah. yeah. Ought not to suck. Josh Brolin as Gurney Halleck is going to be pretty good. You could have just so. said Josh Brolin. Yeah. <laughs> Period. We're good there. You know. His work as Cable was... Mm. Jason Momoa is going to be in the role that he has for this. He's Duncan Idaho. He's going to be awesome. So, yeah. It, it's going to be a good movie. I will go and see it probably about 13 times because <laughs> I'm, that, I'm that kind of nerd. All yeah, right. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for it uh, because I've, I've heard varying levels of uh, quality from, you know, all kinds of sources because uh, we may have talked about this before, but even for things that I have not myself experienced, I am a fan of fandoms. So I will like be part of fandoms for things I haven't seen because it's one of my favorite ways to experience something is through the people who enjoy it. Oh yeah. Uh, And so like, I've, I've heard like a lot of interesting things and awesome, like analysis of the different productions of Dune and where they hit, where they miss. Uh, what people are excited for and wary of with this new production, uh, the, the the portrayal of different characters and things, and it, I'm excited for it. Yeah, it, it's the the new the, the new film. It's been in it's been in development since 2008. Wow. And it yeah it and it's been they've gone through I don't know how many different directors on it and but um, Brian Herbert Frank Herbert is a guy who wrote Dune Rest His Soul. Yeah. Um, was involved is heavily involved in the production. Brian and another guy wrote a whole slew of prequel books based on Frank's notes. Whoa. Okay. That's that, this is years ago. This is back in the oddies that um, really explained the backstory of why the Dune universe is the way it is. And it, it gets into a lot of things that are just touched on hinted at in Frank's work. But Brian is heavily involved in the screen in the screenplay, and it's they're they're probably going to make it two movies out of it because there's just too much shit. It's like 500 pages of book, and not like easy to read, quick go, but like dense shit. Yeah, it's very much if if, if you can read Tolkien, you can, Tolkien, you can read Dune, <laughs> but yeah. it, it it can be a bit sloggy in places to read. But there's just it's such so such a dense, dense piece of information yeah. delivery that it's and there are a couple of places where in the middle of the first Dune book where you can cut it and make another movie. Unlike The Hobbit. <laughs> <laughs> and um, that's all I'm Shots gonna say fired. about that. That's all I'm gonna say about that. 
um, PJ, you owe me. Um, <laughs> but th- there are logical places where you can cut it and go to a, a sequel, you know, go to the second chapter film. Yeah. You know, ju- just like there are three books in the Lord of the Rings, even though they, the, they, those are cut up weird in the books, the movies actually make more sense where to cut those up. Um, yeah. Dune, you can, the do, one Dune book, you can do the same way. So. Okay. Fantastic. It's going to be nice. good. I'm, I'm, I'm now way more excited for this. It's one, one of those things that's been in my periphery for ever. And I've just never actually made the move to consume the damn thing. And now I will have all the reason in the world. To oh, I, I trust Villeneuve to uh, put out a good thing because he did the, the new Blade Runner. Ah, okay. And that was really well received. That was really, really good. That, um, that's another one I haven't seen either. Do it. Blade Runner 2049. Do it. It's worth it. Excellent. Um, and Hans Zimmer, I'm reading here, has will be doing the music for uh, the film. So that'll be nice. I like yeah. his work. So next question is musical or straight play? Straight play. Great. Bar none. Unless the musical is opera, then, uh-huh. we, then, then there will be questions. <laughs> then there will be questions. I like it. Depends on which opera it is. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> Whether or not it can be understood or it's even worth it uh, or it's oh, a rock find, opera. I find opera can always be understood because it's so broad. You don't need to speak the language. Plus, they put subtitles up these days. They do. They're yeah. very, very helpful. 90s rap or current rap? Rap is to music as an etch-a-sketch is to art. Oh, my gosh. See, the, again, the, I, I love this foil between you The and dichotomy of the yeah. state. Yeah, yeah. Uh, do you know which Hogwarts house you belong to? Harkonnen. <laughs> <laughs> that is my standard answer. What, what Hogwarts house are you? Stab them with a gum jabbar and say House Atreides. Um <laughs> that's, a, that's another Dune reference, Jeremy. Oh, then no uh, wonder I didn't get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I know just enough to get the joke. Yeah. And I, you, could fill a, you could fill the entire shelf full of her books with what I don't know about the Potterverse. Uh, fair enough. Do you have a preference on Marvel or DC? Depends on the day. Really, I mean, I've never been a humongous comics fan. When I was buying comics at, in the days of my youth, <laughs> um, when I was buying lots of comics, they were almost always Marvel. But I appreciated the the different the differences between DC and Marvel. Like, I still have the Spider-Man somewhere in my parents' basement back in PA, the Spider-Man from 1979, where the Punisher first appeared. Oh, nice. nice. It's nice. not, it's ratty and shitty. It's worth nothing, but I have it. Um, uh, it's, it's worth being able to read that story. This is the thing that pisses me off about comic books is that unless you're investing hundreds of dollars in subscriptions, you just can't read the fucking story. Yeah. It, it, that's why I, I, I prefer graphic novels because it's a novel and it's a nice, yeah. it's not so episodic, you know, it's a beginning to end story. And I like that. And inside the covers of one piece of media. Yeah. Right. I but, completely uh, agree. If you had to, if you nail my, if you had to nail my foot to the floor, Marvel. I'll take it. All right. Would you prefer a, I, I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this question, a staycation or a vacation? Vacation. Hey, I was right. Although, how would you know without me having made the prediction? I could have said that either way. 
Do you have a <laughs> Do you have a vacation destination that you're most looking forward to going next? Very likely, we will end up doing some time in the south of France because it's a lot easier for us now. Yeah, no kidding. And a lot less expensive. Yeah. We, can just, we can hop on a train and be there in a, a relatively few hours. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we lived in the Caribbean for a time. I will always go back to the Caribbean because um, I thought that, that, that it's just lovely. Um, but yeah, it's staycation. Meh, I end up working. Right. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. My 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 life as it exists is pretty much a staycation. My commute <laughs> is like twelve steps, and I work in my underpants. I'm in my underpants right now. Thank you for the uh, visual. <laughs> on that I'm note, glad we're not on camera. Yes, uh, very much. I don't know. Well, you don't know me, Bob. Maybe uh, maybe that would make me happy. What's your favorite dinosaur? Pterodactyl. Very About nice. time we don't get an ankylosaur answer. Jesus. <laughs> the one with the thagomizer so cool. on the end of it. Yes. No, no, no. The ankylosaur had the giant club. Oh, okay. No, pterodactyl. We, and I'll tell you why. Please do. Around, around, one of the things that Cass and I like to see, because we're always outside. We're always, we walked um, 10 km yesterday. We did 5 km today. We'll be out doing probably 15 tomorrow if the weather holds. And around here, because it's the Netherlands, it's damp. <laughs> there are, we love wading birds. We used to go walk at a park in Harrisburg called Wildwood that always had, you know, great blue herons, green herons, black crested night herons, these birds that are lovely to watch while they're hunting. And they're, they're just beautiful birds. But the great blue heron, all those tall, leggy wading birds, when they take off and when they fly, if you don't know what you're looking at, like if you adjust, if you take someone out of the time machine and park him there and point up at a great blue heron flying, they'll be like, Jesus Christ, that's a pterodactyl. Ah, okay. They are, they are enormous. They're, they're ginormous wingspan of like a meter and a half, if not two meters, ungainly as hell when they're taking off or landing. But when they're up there, they've got this wing, the, the shape of the wing and that delta V is like I've seen depictions of pterodactyls and, I, and the, the noise they make. It's <laughs> terrifyingly awful noise. <laughs> it always <laughs> makes me think pterodactyl, so pterodactyl. Okay, I love it. I, I got to say, that is something that always messes me up real bad, is birds are fucking huge. They can Sometimes, be. When, yeah. you see, when you see them in pictures, most of the time, it just doesn't seem like it. But the first time I got up close and personal with an American bald eagle... <laughs> yeah. I was like, like, son of a bitch, you're enormous. Because you read. Bigger than your kid. Yeah. You read like three foot wingspan and you're like, oh, whatever. That's not that big because you think three foot isn't that big. But when it's in your. Yeah. They're fucking huge, dude. Well, yeah. Don't they have like a six foot wingspan? Something. Yeah. Six ish. Yeah. Yeah. Let let me, let me tell you, man, what years and years and years and years and years ago, I worked at a golf course for a short time. Doing, you know, behind walking behind a, a mower, doing greens and shit, and yeah, you know, so you're at, you go to work at four o'clock in the morning. You get up, you cut the greens by, you know, you can't even see. So you've got like lights on the front of these little like very expensive uh, lawn mowers, <laughs> and uh, you walk from we we had enough crew on for eighteen holes. Each guy did four greens, and I was walking from one one green to the other green one morning and I heard this noise. 
as it went over my head. And I was, I looked over to, saw some motion off to my side a few seconds, like a few nanoseconds earlier. And I saw, oh, there's a squirrel. Okay. And then this whoosh <laughs> and a red tailed hawk. Oh, yeah. Landed and she passed right over my head. She could have reached out with her talons and picked me up by the collar of my shirt. And she probably could have. Because this bird was enormous. I never was closer to peeing my pants than at that precise moment. <laughs> I don't doubt that at all. And you know what will really mess you up is turkeys. Oh, yeah. They are vicious, and yep. they are enormous, and they will they – are, they are raptors. They will cut your guts up. They don't give a <laughs> shit. Like, yeah. turkeys are no joke. Chickens, uh, chickens aren't either. Having caught chickens as a kid, holy oh, yeah. crap. Yeah, they don't want to be caught. No, those little bastards are are, are bastards. They, they will they will f up your world. They will and and they once they get a taste of meat, they get so voracious that they will literally eat themselves if they get a wound. Yeah, really. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I wonder if that's a consequence of like us fucking up their genetic code. I mean, oh, probably much. a little bit, but like, but like chickens and probably more than a little. They bit. have to. They have to like put like suits on them if they get a wound to stop them from just pecking their wounds open until they die. Yep. That's gross. Yep. <laughs> Bob. Yeah. Do you think that we're alone in the universe? I do. My considered opinion is that we are not because I think the, um, I think, I think the math is just against us being alone in the universe, whether or not there is anyone out there right now, I think it's possible. I think it's absolutely it's impossible for there not to have been other sentient life forms throughout the lifespan of the universe. Given that there are so many suns, so many planets, so many Goldilocks zones, even it, the, the 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 thought that there is that there has never been and will never be another self-aware sentient life form that communicates, you know, it, that we would understand as life. I think the odds of that not being the case are so astronomically small to be laughable. Yeah, I think we would tend to agree. I and mean, I, I think it's profound arrogance to claim otherwise. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that the only, the only thing that makes me scratch my brain is whether or not it would be something that we would be capable of identifying as life. And or the thing that I like to really try to dip into this conversation to apply a healthy dose of existential dread is because the, other, the question that naturally follows is, you know, do you think maybe they visited at some point? And I wonder if it's possible that we have been visited by extraterrestrial life, but lack the sensory perception organ to have been aware of their, of their presence. It is. It, I think that I, I'm not going to, I can't say that, that, that I think that's likely or not. I think um, that, that I think the, the it, again, we're talking about probability and math here. Yeah. Right. And yeah. The, the, the odds of, because humanity has been, you know, humanity qua humanity has only existed for such a such a tiny, 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 tiny amount of time on a, a cosmological scale. The odds that there's anyone nearby are low. The odds are even lower that there's anyone near enough to get to us that 
has the capability to come and spy on us and stick things up our butts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, those those it, odds are almost those they're so tiny as to be laughable. Yeah, like anything that anything that is in a place where by our understanding life could exist and happen is far enough away that by the time they realize we exist, we won't exist anymore. Or yeah. we will have moved somewhere else. Or so. by the time by the time we get to them, all we'll find is the big black monolith. Yeah. You know, and like and, I that's that's one of the things I think people forget in this discussion is just how fucking huge space is. It <laughs> like, is immeasurably it is so galactically huge. I forget all the lines from Hitchhiker's Guide now, but well, it, it, I, I was gonna say even say take something like Star Trek we were talking about earlier. Like they can go at, at different points in the series, I think, up to like a little bit over warp nine for most yeah. of it, which is nine times the speed of light, and it is still months and years long journeys just to explore the one quadrant of our own galaxy. Oh yeah, Voyager. Voyager yeah. got wormholed into the Delta Quadrant. Yeah, which is only the, the opposite. Quadrant. Anyway, uh, is which is the only the opposite side of our own galaxy, and it was going to take them hundreds of years. Forty years. Uh, sorry. Uh, my knowledge was a little <laughs> off. Thank you for being more knowledgeable about it. But yeah, so it was going to take them 40 years to get back to their own space or anywhere and near enough if, that they and could that's interact if they were with jamming it. the entire time at warp, warp 9 plus, which yeah. no, no, it, no, canonically no, no, no Starfleet vessel could sustain. Yeah, and so like the that idea, and this is a highly advanced technological society it, and that's just our own galaxy, of which there are trillions of right. in our universe, all spread out by vast expanses of empty fucking space. I wonder yeah. what it says about us as a culture, as a society, and as a species, that we automatically assume that the extraterrestrial life will have advanced science so radically that they would be able to make those trips to us. Well, I mean, it's a matter of it, 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 it's projection. It I is think. projection, yeah. Because we, we, the, the Industrial Revolution accelerated the technological advances our species has made in such profound and rapid ways that it, 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 it boggles the mind that other species would move more slowly. Yeah. And, and because humanity is so fucking arrogant and self-centered, <laughs> we, yeah. have to, we have to anthropomorphize everything. So if they've been around longer than us, then surely they will have, they will have invented faster than light travel and blah blah blah. Never mind the the physics that says it's impossible. I I think that there is a little bit as well of like uh, I, I can't think of the word the opposite of aggrandizement, but like uh, minimization, view, basically. But like viewing ourselves as like the baseline. So like of course every species who reaches sentience would do at least as well as us, but really we're probably not that exceptional. So there are probably societies who advanced faster than us and got oh, more yeah, than yeah. we did. Yep. Yep. That kind of self-effacing. That's it. We have to be the underdogs sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, did. So I, I think there is some element of that to it as well, but yeah, like I, I basically I, I love this question for a lot of reasons, but, one of the things that I like about it is like that depending on the person, 
there are good and basically there are good and bad reasons to believe aliens exist. <laughs> and <Yeah>. and <laughs> sometimes the bad reasons are hilarious. They better be cool. That's all I gotta <laughs> say. Because yeah. we sent them unsolicited dick pics and gave directions. <laughs> so many. Out. You know, excuse me, I sent you a picture of my dick and you can't even respond. What the fuck? Yeah. Although right? uh on that note, fun thing I found out the other day, apparently the uh the farthest flung thing that all of humanity will ever send into the universe was a fucking manhole cover. Huh? Yeah. Um apparently there was like a nuclear explosion and there was a manhole <laughs> there was a manhole cover that was sent <laughs> into space and it was sent at such a speed that it surpassed the escape velocity of our galaxy. <laughs> Are and they I, tracking it? They caught it on a single frame of like a high speed, like 8,000 pictures per second camera. So it was moving at more than 8,000 feet per second. That's pretty fast. Yeah. It's going to kill somebody. Carl! uh, (laughs) No, it was was great. Like, (laughs) there's. There, there was this whole long string where they were talking about like how fast this thing was going, and at the end, someone was just like, "We're going to be killed by an, we're going to have war declared on us by an alien species because we blew up their planet with a fucking manhole cover." Yep, because it's probably just picking up speed. I mean, there's no friction out there to slow it down. Picking up, probably not, but like, like, at least staying constant. Yeah, I was gonna say that thing moving at that speed could like destroy things if it ever hit. Them. Fucking butterfly effect situation. It turns out that's the thing that saves us from the Armageddon asteroid. <laughs> Fuck Bruce Willis. We're using a manhole cover. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That is absolutely hysterical. And I had something else that I was going to say. And you just go, oh, I remember. Um, one of the later episodes that we're going to do, uh, because I decided I wanted to talk about this at some point, is the significance of uh, ingesting monoatomic gold. And I stumbled across this. I used to... I used to purchase a periodical from Hot Topic called Dark Realms Magazine. And Dark Realms Magazine did an entire spread on the so-called sinister origins of human nature, of humankind. And this is like one part Scientology, one part science fiction. Um, There's, I'm sure both of you have heard of the uh... race of the Anunnaki. Yes. Yeah. So the idea, the story there involves them having come to our planet because of our rich resources in gold. And part of that was that if you were to ingest monoatomic gold, it is supposedly capable of dramatically improving cognitive function. Now it also suggests you're able to shapeshift when you do it as well. So it gets a little <laughs> bit out there, but they, <laughs> they ended up, uh, they ended up breeding their race with our uh, progenitors, with our ancestors. And then Homo sapien was supposedly born in an effort to be able to be smart enough to understand the commands that they were being given so that they could mine the gold, but also physically strong enough to be able to carry out those tasks as well. And so that's one, one theory on how humankind came to be. I think theory is a little generous, but hypothesis. Uh, hypothesis. Hypothesis implies that there's some way you can prove it. That's what we call a swag. <laughs> Whatever the fuck you guys want to call it, it's. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you, you're talking about this with science nerds. You're gonna run into a little bit of it. That yeah, that that's what we. That's a. Well, it's not even a swag. That's a swag because it's a semi-scientific, wild-ass guess. 
<laughs> yes, I accept that. Uh, and on that note, we have managed to drone on for better than an hour about uh, whatever we felt like blithering about, which was an absolute pleasure. Bob, thank you again so much for stopping by to the show um, Absolutely. And, and talking with us. Now, if folks wanted to get a hold of you on the social media, consume some of your D&D content or anything else in general, uh, where would be the best place for them to find you? You can find me on Twitter at WP2XX. You can find me on Facebook as Robert P. Davis. You can go to my website, which is r-p-davis.com or bobthevoice.com and uh, contact me there. Uh, anything else that I'm missing? No. That's good. Patreon. Patreon. Uh, R.P. Davis. Patreon.com slash R.P. Davis. Beautiful. And I'll make sure that I have a link to all of that stuck in the show notes. Uh, please go ahead and like and subscribe and rate our show wherever it is that you're listening to it in your various podcatchers. If you wanted to catch up with us, you can find us on Instagram, Whiskers Podcast. Twitter is at MagWhisk. Uh, if you really wanted to send an email, it's magnificentwhiskers at gmail.com. And if you were looking for me on Twitter, it's at RemyX0, where the O is the number. Colby, where are they going to dig you up? You can find me online as either Colby Bastion or LVNDRIS91, just about everywhere. Excellent. Once again, thank you so much, Bob, and thank you so much for listening. We'll see you guys next time.